Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing. I'm your host Manuel Feit and I'm joined by Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. North fun weekend of Bundesliga football. Another crazy weekend of Bundesliga football. Uh, but that's what we look forward to. What, what day is it even? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very uh, good question. It's, uh, it's, I think it's Monday morning uh, for me. Monday afternoon for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... It's the transfer season. I think we're both tired. It's just how it goes. But um, yeah, we have some Bundesliga stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, before we go into this, one thing that we will not talk about is whether the Bundesliga is competitive and whether Bayern Munich are just too good and should be sold to the Premier League. Um, I'm tired of that, Stefan. I don't know how you feel. I've already made my opinions felt on this show. I think we should break up Bayern Munich. Uh, and until we do, I will hear no other <laughs> I'll hear no other options uh, until that's decided. But yeah, I know what you mean. And every weekend is just the usual nonsense. Yeah. Um, I kind of put a brief thread about it and I've now kind of... It, I've, I've now got some Dortmund fans on my timeline asking me, try, oh. asking me to explain why I think they've underperformed as if that needs even explaining in my opinion. But anyway, yeah, maybe one day we can write a book about it. It seems like a topic worthy of a book. Well, we have something special planned for midweek where we're going to come up with a solution, uh, a solution, not the solution. Uh, I still, I still think we should just sell them to the Premier League and take Man United back. That would solve the Bundesliga competitiveness (laughs) overnight. <laughs> I mean, that would certainly be fun. It'd be a good trade, I feel. Um, if then other teams in the Bundesliga still can't win it, then they have no more excuses. This is my final message on this. And I think we should talk about a bunch of other things instead after this break. This episode of the Gegen Pressing Podcast is brought to you at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all your favorite sports, contests, and events, the first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first spots bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that is B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Believe 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on our first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So, yeah, um, one thing. Uh, do you want to start with Dortmund first or do you want to start with Leverkusen first? Speaking about underperforming Bundesliga teams that should be doing well better, way better than they are. 
I think it's six and a half a dozen. I think mm. either way, we're probably having the same conversation twice, aren't we? Okay, well, I'm going to just go by the schedule that was okay. put out by Bundesliga.com and that had Dortmund against Bremen first. <laughs> so we're talking Dortmund first. <laughs> <laughs> um, first time a team loses being up 2-0 in, in the, what was it, 89th minute hmm. and still manages to lose. That's that's a record. I think the black and yellows can be very proud of. Um, Hashtag Terzic football. Great. It's um, I got up at six thirty in the morning for this game, and I had all the regrets until the eighty ninth minute. It's awful football. I'm sorry, but like, there is no better way of putting this. And if this is the reincarnation of club ball that we this club is so much craving and has been chasing for what now eight years, hmm. I'm sorry, this isn't it. It's. It was a hugely frustrating game of football, I think, for any Dortmund fan to watch. And mm. I think anyone who maybe didn't watch this game probably saw the results or saw the manner in which the goals came in and probably thought, oh, okay, Dortmund controlled this game. They saw it out 2-0. And then, you know, there was a banana skin that they slipped on in the 89th minute. And Bremen had this kind of historic comeback. But in truth, it was actually a game in which Werder Bremen dominated most of the match mm. um you know i actually spent most of the game just kind of look absolutely puzzled as to why dortmund were playing so poorly um you know i commented throughout the match about how it felt at times as though dortmund were their away team and Werder bremen were the dominant home side they were playing mm. so deep um struggling to get the ball out of their own half struggling to make anything in the final third and Bremen were just happy to pick them off, happy to play through them, happy to create chances. Um, I think that's clear from the XG from the game in which Dortmund's was only 0.23 mm-hmm. to Bremen's 1.28. Um, and literally about a moment before Gallero scored that second goal, uh, I think I tweeted out saying that Dortmund, the only, t- only shot on target which they had was Julian Brandt's. And, you know, if you look closely, you don't have to look closely, if you just watch the highlights, you'll see that both of Dortmund's goals are basically long-range shots which are hitting hope yeah um and had the game finished 2-0 i think that would have paved over a huge amount of issues in this dortmund performance and this is now the second dortmund game i've watched in full i've watched their opening game against leverkusen and in both matches they were absolutely atrocious completely played off the park i know we're talking about leverkusen and their problems later on this on the episode but they played dortmund off the pitch that hat that game and they should they deserved a point easily and Werder Bremen absolutely deserved all three points from this game. And I'm now, it's still maybe a bit early to be kind of really pondering serious questions here, but I'm not entirely sure what Terzic has done with his team through the summer because it, it doesn't feel as though anyone really has any idea of what they're doing on the pitch. There's no kind of coherent system in terms of passing the ball. There's no, you know, if you know, it made me think about that um, Man City documentary, you know, the, the Amazon one, and the kind of defining factor that you get from that, the kind of last impression is that Pep Guardiola is absolutely obsessed with how his team passed the ball. It's all he cares about, almost to the point where it kind of gets in the way of the way Man City score goals at times. All he needs, he's determined to perfect the way his team moved the ball up the pitch. And this Dortmund team feel the complete opposite of that. 
it seems as though Terzic has just kind of picked 11 players and told them to go have fun and hope for the best um, because, you know, there's there's just no coherence. There's, there's no chemistry between attacking line defence. I know, I know, you know, obviously the hood going off injured played a huge part in that. I thought Emery Chan once again looked like a bull in a china shop in the middle of the pitch. Um, he, he just seems to go out of his way to lose the ball at times. And... It 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 just screamed. It it, it just it just screamed incompetence. Um, and I, I wonder if Marco Rosa was sitting at home with his feet up on the couch watching that game with a big smile on his face. Because I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Because it's 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 baffling yeah. to me. And it's the same than we saw last year. It was the same thing. It, I don't see any progression from the things that the Rosa regime was criticized to to what we're seeing now. It's the same thing. It's the same story. The story runs like a red thread through this entire this entire um, you know mess that Dortmund is at the moment, and yeah, I had a thought here for a second. Now oh, it's gone. It's come gonna come back. <laughs> I just you know I, oh yeah, it, it's like this idea that you just put together eleven guys and you hope for the best, and you know like you give them some inspirational talks in the dressing room and. Um, you know, you your buddies with them all and give them a hug and everything. That's a very superficial way of looking at what Dortmund were under Klopp. Hmm. And this is, I think, where the problem is. Like, people don't understand that Klopp did all that stuff, right? But he also put together a tactical system that won them two titles hmm. and then also made them go deep in the Champions League. And I think this is where... Maybe a lot of people got it wrong, and maybe we get it wrong, and we just don't see the system yet because Terzic isn't hasn't had enough time. But this idea that you can just give your key players a hug and a high five and send them out on the field and say, "We got this," and give them some inspirational mantra, that's not going to work. That's not enough, hmm. and it, it kind of feels like that. And I mean, a lot of the things that you pointed out, I, I watched this game, I thought it was terrible. It was not a good watch. Um, they were playing a promoted team that both of us tipped to go down this season, potentially go down this season. Um, I've sketched these mentions in my tweets too. It's like, look at the wage gap to Bayern. It's like, okay, well, look at the wage gap to Bremen. Hmm. These are not games that you're supposed to lose. If you lose to Bayern... Okay, fair enough. I get that. That's hard. But you cannot dream about beating Bayern if you can't beat promoted teams. And you should be beating promoted teams. Look at the look at the wage gap between Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. Hmm. Atletico still win titles. This is not an excuse. I don't I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't buy that rationale. And when you spend a hundred million euros on new players, you should be doing better. Hmm. And this is not the first time they spend 100 million euros on players. This is like the fourth time or fifth time already. So, yeah, it's it's such an interesting one because as I kind of tweeted out after the game, the the biggest issue here isn't just that Dortmund are underperforming; it's the fact that they're underperforming with the coach that the club itself has deemed to be the the rightful successor in this position. You know, yeah. he's. Marco Rosa was obviously an outside guy. He was a Gladbach guy. He was a he was a Red Bull guy, uh, which maybe riled up a few people the wrong way at Dortmund. Um, 
And he could never catch a break, you know, whether it was tactics or the way he left the previous club or anything. Felt as though the club were just always waiting for an excuse to sack him because Terzic mm-hmm. was there in the wings. And this is kind of what we all talked about last year as well, about how crazy the situation was. But the problem with that is that Kale has kind of put all his chips on Terzic working. He's he's K- Sebastian Kale's guy. Yeah. Um, and unless there's a huge turnaround, not only is it going to lead to Terzic having to, to leave his job, but it could lead to Kale having to answer some serious questions as to, you know, the running of the club. Why did they sack a perfectly good head coach? Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to retroactively rewrite history here and, and say that Marco Rosa was, you know, an outstanding head coach and that he had Dortmund on track mm. to challenge the Bundesliga. He had his issues, don't get me wrong. He certainly was, wasn't a perfect first season. Still do maintain that, you know, he kind of had one arm tar- tied behind his back because of the lack of funds that he got to spend last season, especially compared mm. to this summer. But to just kind of, to just kind of like cut that short so quickly, just to to point Terzic, and for this for absolutely nothing to have happened, is just baffling to me. Because the other thing as well is that it's not as if Terzic comes into this role with twenty years of experience as a head coach. It's not as if he's gone off to coach in Italy or Spain or England, yeah. and he, and he's now decided to come back to Dortmund where he started at, at you know where he started at, at the beginning of his career, and he wants to help the club. This is a young novice head coach who has just kind of been given this role because he's a Dortmund guy. It's almost it maybe this is a bit harsh, but it feels like when you read these stories about these big Wall Street companies who daddy owns the company and he makes his son a board member or a mm. chairman, you know, and he's like, right, you go see if you can make it work. And he's got absolutely no experience in doing so. Maybe that's a bit harsh and maybe, you know, Terzic might be able to turn things around at Dortmund, but it's just Looking at that kind of starting eleven and watching that team performance, it just said it just screamed to me that there are holes all over this pitch. You know, I mean, I guess Nicolas Sula will eventually come in for Hummel's long term. You know, I guess the Hood will always be kind of be back in playing uh, instead of Emery Chan. But that was a huge issue. Yeah. But we're still kind of waiting to see what Ozkan can offer in the central midfield role because I think they still need a defence midfielder. Another one of the most frustrating things about his performance was that. When Dortmund play this kind of football, which is so disjointed, players like Bellingham and Marco Royce just completely get lost in it all because they yeah. don't have they don't have a defined role. Um, and you know, I don't know. You just look at that starting eleven that started against Bremen, and there's at least four or five players there who are completely unreliable. You know, as much mm-hmm. as Julian Brandt scored a great goal, he's far too inconsistent. Anthony Modest hasn't hit the ground running. He's not a proven striker. Okay, maybe they can't do much else there at the moment. Fine. Guillermo, okay, great. He scored a goal too. Completely inconsistent. Hannes Wolf, completely inconsistent. Mats Hummels, inconsistent. You know, even Marco Royce, I thought was quite poor in the day as well. He just kind of shirked his responsibilities when things kind of went a bit nuts. So this this team really needs a a really strong head coach to kind of step in and, you know, lay down the law, but it doesn't feel like that because the club have appointed a cheerleader. Yeah. Uh, Tormund <laughs> fans are going to be so upset about that. But <laughs> yeah. You stole this from a chat. <laughs> I'm not going to say who said it because that would be a bit unfair. Yeah, no, no. Um, 
uh, I'm having a hard time to disagree with you, even though I kind of want to, but I just don't have the arguments to counter you. Um, I actually wanted to throw in Bino Gittens as well mm. into this conversation. Um, had a great, great game off the bench against Freiburg, obviously. And I think that is currently where he's at. He's a, we're having a hard time taking apart our team's defense. Let's come in, Kit, and see what you can do. That's his level. Um, having him starting, I think, is is a, is not where he's at right now um, as a player. So in terms of his development, right? And it, you feel like he just spent a ton of time on the left wing trying to do things that... He almost trying to do too much, in mm. a way. And I don't think that was productive. And I wonder then, too... Is this just like, oh, this guy has done well the last game, let's give him a chance? Or is it just because there's no other there's no alternative to, to start? Right? Hmm. Um I mean Gio Reyna comes in in the second half. It, it's quite obvious to me that he is not a hundred percent game ready yet. Um and Emre Shan, don't even get me started on that guy, man. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's you just, I don't understand how he went from being this highly touted, one of the best defensive midfielders the German game could potentially ever produce to a train wreck every single match. Hmm. It's it's a crazy one. I actually, I'll push back a wee bit on Joe Reyna just because I thought he actually looked quite bright when he came on at times. Um, yeah. I think I definitely agree with you. He's, he's not 100%, but it's just nice seeing him come on, pick up 30 yeah. minutes considering the injury troubles that he's had recently. I know the club are obviously taking their time with him. And I actually think he could prove to be a really important player for Dortmund because if he can get back to some semblance of what he was producing before these injury problems, then he could end up filling a huge hole in that team because yeah. you took you look at that attacking line and it's basically Marco Royce. To his left, he's got an, an inexperienced winger. To his right, he's got Julian Brandt, who famously extremely frustrating player for Dortmund in mm-hmm. terms of performances. And up front, he's got a striker who's trying to settle things, settle into the club. So, and then yeah, okay, maybe you can bring in players off the bench like you know Torgan Hazard or you know Mukoko or something like that. But there's there's no real bona fide proven Bundesliga talent in that attacking lineup at the minute. Um, so mm. if Gio Reyna can get back to fitness, if he can start starting games again, I think he could prove to be a really important player going from going forward. But I guess we just have to wait and see how things turn out. You know what they need to do? They need to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. Dude, come on, Give us all the pleasure. Give us the content of a lifetime. Do it. Do I'm it, just, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> Ronaldo trying to talk to the fans at the yellow wall to calm them down after their fifth defeat in two months. But something tells me that's not the kind of player he is. Yeah, I think he would be quite uh, in for quite a culture shock. I'm just imagining um, him and Emre Shan organizing a barbecue evening at their training facility in Brackel at the outskirts of Industrial Dortmund. <laughs> Uh, both showing up in their respective uh, Lamborghinis gold plated of course <laughs> yeah 
But I mean that, that I mean all joking aside, that just kind of illustrates how much Modest hasn't really hit the ground running yet for Dortmund yet. He really needs to the, the club I mean obviously Dortmund are in a very unfortunate position here where obviously Sebastian Haller has had to step away from football. Completely yeah. understandable. Um and they've had to kind of bring in this emergency signing and hope that it works. Um it's a huge amount of pressure on the player and the club to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit unfair to really put too much kind of blame on Modest, but he looked completely out of sorts for Dortmund in this game. And I know, mm-hmm. it, I know he did this at times for Cologne, where you know he kind of goes missing in games and sh- shows up with a goal, but he did look entirely disconnected from the team. There was no chemistry in between him and Marco Royce. And if they're going to make this signing work out, that's going to have to quickly change. Yeah, this is why they need Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I just kind of, I just kind of want to see this. I, I, it would be hugely fascinating. Um, I don't know. I just, could you imagine him in the Bundesliga, Stefan? That could, that could just completely change the perception of that league. Uh, yeah, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know why we're discussing it. Okay, fine. Uh, should we move on to Bayer Leverkusen then? <laughs> we will definitely not sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I think we need to move on to Leverkusen because yeah. otherwise we're just going to turn around in circles. Uh, Gerardo Zione is not going to get fired. Um, Fernando Caro coming out saying this. Uh, this is the CEO of Bayer Leverkusen. Um, is going to be safe in his job. That's four games in a row lost, Stefan. Hmm. That's a terrible start. You lose the German Cup. Okay, tough one. But then three games in a row in the Bundesliga. Hmm. That's some, That gives you a mountain to climb for the rest of the season. Yeah, it does. I was speaking to someone at Leverkusen over the weekend and I was asking them if, you know, they began looking for a new head coach and they made it clear that this is just not a discussion at the club right now. That might change quickly, but um, it, it seems as though they're quite happy to just kind of ride out the storm and just kind of let things work out. And I can understand why to an extent, because, I mean, you look at that team that lined up against Hoffenheim uh, the weekend and it's by no means start, uh, Leverkusen started eleven. You know, Per Klozik, who was signed as a prospect, has been thrown into the start eleven twice now, I think. Um and in, in, in the first three games in the Bundesliga. Asmund as well looked, you know, entirely lost as well. He seems to be a very bizarre signing in my opinion. I, I really had high hopes for him, but something just hasn't clicked there. And it was just, you know, it's just such an odd game. It was such a weird game. You look at the, you look at the goals from that game. Baumgartner scores this ridiculous goals, like something almost out of FIFA when, like, some guy's playing his little brother or something. Um, in the sense that, like, it just was like it's the kind of goal that you'll he'll only ever score like once in his career or something. Uh, Kramerich then scores what twenty eight minutes later from a deflected cross. Mm. Uh, and then Ruter, who admittedly had a very good game, scores an absolute yeah. screamer. But that's before Leverkusen have a number of chances. Schick has a shot cleared off the line by one of his own teammates. Um, and when you kind of combine that with what I was saying earlier on about how well they performed against Dortmund and still managed to lose, 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I feel as though they've just been really unfortunate for the most part this season, not only through actual performances, but also through injuries as well. Um, obviously, Florian Verts is such a key part of this team, but mm. they were obviously missing Bellarabi as well. Adley was missing that game as well. You know, so it's by no means a full strength Leverkusen that we're looking at right now. Um, and for some reason, it's also a team that's just completely devoid of confidence. But unlike maybe Dortmund, <coughs> uh, excuse me again, uh, unlike Dortmund, um, I feel like all the pieces are there for Leverkusen to kind of turn things around. You know, they haven't brought in a, an experienced coach. They know exactly what they can do under the current head coach. Um, it's just individual performances. It's bad luck. I mean, I'm still once again watching that game, baffled mm. why Jonathan Ta is still starting defender for Leverkusen. Um, I know he has a decent profile in Germany. I know he obviously has a history with Leverkusen, but you look at that kind of where he was for that Baumgartner um, back heel goal to open the goal, and he just looks he looks like a rabbit stuck in the headlights. And that's all. That's two games already from the first three that I've watched Leverkusen, thinking, "What is Jonathan Ta doing there?" So, I don't know. They've got about a bazillion central defenders in that club, and I don't know why he still keeps getting a start. But yeah, hey, if I did know, I'd be a head coach. So who knows? You know, sometimes the decisions by head coaches baffle the mind. Yeah, I've seen this many times, and they hang on to their guy. And they play the guy, and no matter what the guy does, they hang on to him, and it almost becomes like a taunting thing where they just like do it just to taunt you. <laughs> um, I see it over and over again with certain players. I'm like, there's no statistical evidence this player is good, and yet he's always starting. Um, Tom might be one of those guys. <laughs> I just don't understand either. And I don't think his profile in Germany is that good anymore, Stefan. Like, this mm -hmm. is the other thing. Like, I, I think he's almost higher valued abroad. Um, yeah, I can that's probably totally, fair. I, I can almost see like Chelsea or Man United pull a McGuire with this guy and sign him and then realize, oops, this guy isn't actually that good. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, I, I, I am totally with you. I don't understand this one at all. Um, I mean, what's with Odilon Kusunu, right? This like super highly talented center back. Why is he not giving a look? And um, I get it too. I guess this is this is maybe the one issue, the one caveat of this 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 discussion point is how many good center backs are out on the market at the moment that you really could sign and say like, okay, well, they, this guy is going to make my team better. Like Chelsea signed a thirty-two year old guy from Napoli, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they're now being linked with Maguire. Th these are your options. And then if you go further down the pyramid to teams like Leverkusen, and I mean, one of the reports today was that Leipzig are looking for a defender. Would we really sign at this yeah. stage? Which is why Dortmund did so well to get Sula and Schlotter back in the one window. Yeah. So, you know, we praised that at the time and it's it's only wrong true. Um, it's it's a tricky one, and I, and I think the concern for Leverkusen as well is even though they're not talking about sacking the head coach right now, you look at like that run of fixtures that they have coming up. They're away to Mainz. They're away to then they 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 host Freiburg. They're away to Hertha, host Bremen, and then they're away to Bayern Munich. 
And Thanks. as things stand, there's only really one winnable game in that stretch. So, you know, it'd be really yeah, interesting to see if they still have... It's Hertha, right? Obviously, it's yeah. Hertha. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I should have mentioned this when we're talking about the Dortmund game, but I've been so impressed with Werder Bremen in the first three games. Um, yeah. You know, I think they've they've, they've proven over and above, they've gone over and above um, expectations in the first three games. I think they'll be absolutely fine. Mm. Um, so they could cause real issues for Bayer Leverkusen when they play them next month. So I don't know. You look at that Bayern Munich game on the on the horizon, and you you seriously wonder whether the whether Leverkusen will still have the same head coach at this point. But they'll have to turn things around very quickly against Mainz and Freiburg are just two huge games already for them. I'm going to that Leverkusen game, Bayern game. Going to be at that stadium. Um, that's my one of the games on my my schedule for when I'm flying over there in the fall. Um, that could be a very decisive game mm. in many ways. If, as you said, Gerardo Sione is still around, I hate doing this. I don't, you know, I actually really like what he did last year, um, and he seems like a very quiet but smart guy. But you know what this sort of reminds me of. Remember a few years back when Lucien Favre was still at Gladbach and I think they lost the first five games and they lost in the Champions League as well. Mm. Remember that stretch? And Gladbach really were trying to hang on to him. And I know this is Lucien Favre. He's a little bit of a different character. And he he stepped down on his own. Like He, he organized a press conference and uh, announced without the club knowing that he was going to leave. Mm. Um, I just... Swiss people are different, Stefan. They make... <laughs> and you just wonder if Sione looks at the... Like, okay, yeah, Leverkusen come out and say like he's he's not in doubt, but what if he feels that he doesn't reach the players anymore? Mm. Or he feels that the club doesn't have the players he needs? Or what if he feels that this is just not working? I mean, this is always the other other side of the story um, that's often forgotten. Head coaches have made in the past decisions to say this club needs a different direction and leave. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting one because obviously Leverkusen have this kind of modern history of kind of hacking and slashing when it comes to head coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've usually got a decent enough squad to finish the top four. I still think this squad's good enough to finish the top four. Um, but this always seems to happen to their head coaches. It's as if they have a they bring in someone who looks decent at Bundesliga level, and they seem like a decent fit for a squad of young players who are on the up. And it never seems to work out. And you know, I don't really regurgitate one of the kind of big kind of um, lectures that I have from time to time on how Bundesliga clubs hire and fire head coaches and who they go looking for. But Leverkusen is such a good example of where the Bundesliga is going wrong in terms of the coaches they hire. You look at this team and you wonder, well, if they could have brought in someone like Pochettino, you know? I mean, maybe Leverkusen can't sign a Pochettino. Okay, fair enough if they can't. We'll see. But this is a club, this is a squad that's just primed and ready for an excellent head coach to take them to the next level. And it just kind of feels to me like they just kind of go round and round in these circles of hiring head coaches who've done a decent job in Switzerland or a decent job in Austria or, yeah. you know, was once upon a time a great coach at Mainz. 
and they then wonder why they spent a huge amount of money on players that will one for one one way or another probably end up at a higher level, but why these squads can't take them to that level at Leverkusen. Mm. And I think more often than not, at Leverkusen and at a lot of Bundesliga clubs, um, the one we just talked about is another good example. Um, you know, if you if you, if you keep if you keep hiring mid-table Bundesliga head coaches, they're only going to be able to prepare your squad to be a mid-table team. So, yeah. you know, if Leverkusen want to be, a, 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 I mean, okay, maybe they already are an established top four side, but if they want to be a team that can make inroads in the Champions League, if they want to be a team that can be a real thorn in Dortmund's side, or not Dortmund's side, but Bayern's side, then maybe they have to go out and get a head coach who has experience of doing that. And not mm-hmm. maybe not in Germany, but a head coach from Spain or from Italy or from England, um, yeah. who has experience as has experience of taking young players and getting the best out of them and making them perform under pressure. Because this Leverkusen team is full of so much potential and so much talent, but you know, maybe they're not listening to the head coach anymore. Mm. Yeah, this this is I mean a, a topic that we have approached a few times, right? Is the lack of imagination when it comes to hiring head coaches in this league. Mm-hmm. It's the same old cycle. I mean, they even brought back two two co- German speaking coaches, German coaches who were coaching in Russia, uh, for heaven's sake, <laughs> <laughs> um, to this league and. I've been surprised by some of the outcomes. Um, I want someone to hire Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, exactly. Perfect perfect example. Right? That needs to be done. And when it comes to, okay, fine. If you want someone who has some sort of history in Germany, what about Javi Alonso or Raul? Hmm. Right? Those two have played in the league very successfully. Um, Raul, not even with Bayern, but Schalke. But I think they could offer something very different. Do you know, I'm, I'm just going through the list of available available coaches on the Transfermarkt website, which is a great tool for anyone. Hashtag <laughs> inadvertent advertisement for Transfermarkt. Um <laughs> And I'm seeing some interesting names here. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. Like you said, Marco Bielsa, Marcelo Bielsa, rather, Mauricio Pochettino. I think Rafa Benitez would have been a great Bundesliga head coach. I'm not sure if mm. that's past him now. Um, but there's one name here who stands out, and I'm like, yep, that's exactly who's going to be the next Leverkusen coach. Do you know who it is? Lucien Favre? No. Nope. Hold on. Let me, let me open this. Same, same, <laughs> same, 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 same kind of idea, though. Open the page and then tell me who. If I'll give you one more guess, who you think it will be? It's uh, a former German, currently not. I'm not making. I'm not making. I'm not giving you any hints. Not any hints. So don't change any of the filters. All the filters are free. Joachim uh, Löw. Close. Thomas Schneider. No, go down a few more. And Marco Rose. Marco Rose. I'm telling you right now, Leverkusen will hire Marco Rosa. That's the most Bundesliga thing ever. Mm. And maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea, but I don't know. That that as soon as I saw his name, I was like, ah, no, right. This it's written in the stars now. 
And, 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 it, and I mean, and that's an interesting thing, isn't it? He, now that he's on the market, um, maybe that does kind of make things, um, make things interesting in that regard. But I don't know. It's it's Leverkusen are an odd one for me. They really are. There's a lot of players in that team who aren't performing. Um, they have a really interesting problem in fullback positions as well. I find um, mm. Jeremy Frimpong's an interesting one for me because he's kind of having a similar kind of impact as he did at Celtic, whereby he burst onto the scene, very exciting player in an attacking sense, kind of wowed fans, huge amount of buzz around him uh, from the get-go uh, at Celtic. And that happened as well at Leverkusen. I think at one point he was actually linked with Bayern Munich mm-hmm. uh, just because of his raw power to go forward. 12 months later, 18 months later, we're now getting to the point where I think some clubs are beginning to realise that you can actually get by him quite easily. Uh, he's not the strongest defender. And I think all of a sudden he looks like a very ordinary player in that right flank. Um, same issue at left back. Obviously, Backer was signed up from PSG. I think he's looked quite strong in certain moments for Leverkusen. But then similarly, he just can't seem to get a game at the moment. And when he does, he's been quite error prone. So... They're almost in a similar position to Dortmund in the sense that they have a lot of options at fullback, but none of them really stand out as genuine prospects. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that was definitely something that we even didn't talk about when it comes to Dortmund. Um, it's a hard position to fill. It, it is and it isn't because there's, there's lots of players that play that position, but there's not many good ones. This is how an agent explained it to me the other day. Mm. Um, that, you know... If you are a fullback right now and you're one of those one-dimensional fullbacks, you should be staying where you are because there's no market for you. And if you, because there's very few players that can actually play the entire left flank or an entire right flank, um, mm. which is interesting. And then there's very few players that can maybe play left back or right back, but also play in a back three, mm-hmm. which is another requirement that's becoming more and more. I mean, they have Piero Hincapia who, I guess, sort of does that for them. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting conundrum. Um, and I think Leverkusen, it just kind of reminds me of this, and as I said earlier, this the situation that Gladbach were in a few years ago, where it just all goes sideways. And it becomes a vicious circle doesn't it? If you don't get the results and turn this around quickly, um, this can only go one direction and then the new head coach of the club will be Mark Rose. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you heard it here first. Yeah. Let's talk about something positive before this becomes too negative. Can we just talk about how awesome Union Berlin are for a moment here? <laughs> uh, we absolutely can talk about it. I mean, they did. I mean, on the one hand, they obviously did this last season. Um, you know, yeah. they picked, I think they did the double over Stuck, uh, Leipzig. Um, and, you know, you know, just talk about teams that are just kind of falling apart at the moment. That le- that mm-hmm. Leipzig team looked all over the place in defence. Uh, Guardiola doesn't really look 100% fit. Simican and Orban were all over the place. And that first goal... Um, Union just kind of slipped. They just kind of walked through them, really. Yeah, they sliced them open. And uh, but you know, it's 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 just it's just typical kind of Union. You know, they've obviously got uh, 
PFOC, I guess, if we're still referring to him, or Siobacu as the Bundesliga commentators. So I have some clearance on this. Oh? Yes. Okay. So, in the Bundesliga, it's Jordan Siobacu, because that's his legal name. But because his American mother's name is PFOC, he honors her by putting that name on his US shirt. Right. Okay. So, we're going with Siobacu then? That's his legal name in Germany, yes. Okay. So they've also got Becker and Sebaccio up front, uh, two great attacking strikers, and they just kind of fit into that kind of Union Berlin system of just being, when they want to be, they can be so direct. Um, and it worked wonders for them against Leipzig because, you know, when you've got two players up front like that, they can just kind of go toe-to-toe with a back three and cause so many issues. Um, and it's great to see. You know, it's it's, yeah. it, um, it's great to see a Berlin team doing so well. Uh, it's great to see a team, you know, with such a strong culture of or fan culture around the club doing so well. Um, yeah. And long may it continue, really. It is almost like incredible what you can do if you use your resources amazingly efficient. <laughs> and there's two teams in Germany that do it really well. And because this is a copy-paste sport where everyone just copies everyone else, hmm. Rather than everyone trying to copy Bayern, maybe the people should start copying Freiburg and and uh, Berlin uh, before they start copying Bayern. Because this is this is what Union do so very well. There's an, an enormous amount of discipline, and Urs Fischer might be one of the most underrated coaches in the Bundesliga. Period. Mm. But he's put together a system. That is very, in some ways, very different. It's a, it's a three-five-two. It's very compact. He relies on these fast players up front, um, who they also signed and identified, and are actually better than what they had previously. So they they sell and then improve, which is a very difficult thing to do, but they do it well. Um, and then they just stick to it, and they, there is a certain amount of. You know, Bochum playing a counter-pressing, attacking style against Bayern Munich. It's just absolute suicide. Um, Union Berlin wouldn't do that. A Freiburg wouldn't do that either, right? Which brings us back to the, the point that more teams need to be like them. They need to be more like Union and Freiburg in that, okay, well, we can't play 4-3-3, 4-2-2-2 against Bayern Munich. We can't just rely on this idea that everything in German football is gegenpressing and yeah that's the name of our podcast but doesn't mean everyone has to play that way um, <laughs> and say okay well this needs to be different for us to be successful and I think that is where it kind of is our sense of what we probably tried to convey a little bit earlier is that more Bundesliga teams need to be like Union Berlin I hear silence. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 was, I thought you were going to continue on saying more now. No, I rant totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> rant's over, yeah. No, no, I completely agree. And, and the interesting thing about Union Berlin is unlike maybe Freiburg, who have been so efficient for so many years, but obviously only have so much room to grow into, Union have an entire capital to grow into. Yeah. Um, you know, technically the largest um, 
not the largest well yeah the largest city i guess but also like the largest kind of what's the word metropolitan area as well in terms of fans as well so you know there's a huge amount of room there for them to grow into just naturally uh if they can continue this um upward upward curve which comes from as you said more pragmatic tactics rather than just kind of the boilerplate formation and tactical system that a lot of clubs are happy to stick by and, and long may it continue great to see and i can only pat myself in the back because i'm pretty sure i predicted them to finish sixth yeah <laughs> i you you did and you're probably going to be right um i tongue-in-cheek said to my dad maybe they make the champions league this year That'd be quite something. Not saying that's going to happen, but I mean, but as Berlin-based club in the Champions League would probably be pretty good for German football. Um, but like this, this also kind of points at this. I have this vision that if you are a head coach going to an interview process at any German team. You're going to be like one of those smart looking guys, probably glasses, try to look a little bit like Klopp, right? And he is like, here's our attacking style football that we're going to have. I'm going to use guys from the academy. We're going to be counter pressing. We're going to be playing up in the attacking third. We're going to press, 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 press. Um, we're going to like score lots of goals and then you get relegated with Bochum. But, you know, <laughs> Union Berlin, like Urs Fischer is none of that. He's such an old style coach. He's a little bit like he actually does look a little bit like Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I was actually watching. I mean, I know we're just kind of rambling at this point, not really talking yeah. anything specific, but um, it's such departure from you know. I watched the Gladbach Hertha game, and yeah, although Gladbach looked decent at points. Um, and, and I think they might actually have maybe turned a corner in that regard just because, you know, they do have a decent front line that seems to be clicking. Large parts of that game were just two teams struggling to pass the ball and because they were more intent on being quick, they're more intent on running into each other, more intent on intercepting, more intent in gegenpressing than actually yeah. taking their time, passing the ball and creating plays. And... You know, I'm a kind of I'm ashamed to say this because it's probably the most harshest thing I could say about the Bundesliga, but it kind of reminds me of the Premier League from about ten years ago when people used to say it often resembles just twenty two guys running into each other, and you know this is probably why Bayern are quite happily just sleepwalking to another title right now, and why they're easy easy they find it so easy to kind of break through teams because. If every single team, I've said this in the podcast a hundred times, if every single team in the league plays gegenpressing football, Bayern will just walk through them all. You know, it requires teams like Union, it requires teams like Freiburg that are far more pragmatic. They have smarter head coaches that can change their tactics from one week to the next to deal with the play, the, 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 the opponents that they're playing against. Um, and I think that's something that Dortmund and Leverkusen are kind of missing right now, specifically Dortmund, who you know, whether they can change things, whether they can develop their own system remains to be seen. But if if I was to kind of show someone who's never really watched any Bundesliga football, um, you know, the pros of gag and pressing and the, and the flaws of gag and pressing, I'd show them that Dortmund team because there's just no, there's no mm. real kind of system to that. 
Yeah. Well, we got a title for the show. Um, Bundesliga. Bayern teams need to be more like Union Berlin. <laughs> I'm sure Union Berlin fans would be happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, probably the fastest growing team in Germany right now in terms of members. And um, the, as you said, the space that they can grow into is enormous, especially because they're City Rivals is doing everything in their power to help Union. And yeah, I think Union Berlin is is the team of the future in many ways. They have a legitimate shot if they keep growing organically to actually become a pretty big club in German football. You know, a consistent top six, maybe even a top four team eventually down the road. And hopefully that's a blueprint for some other cities that haven't really quite figured it out. Um, but Stefan, we're out of time. We've talked a lot, mostly ranted. Um, but that's fine. That's what this show is for. And I think, I hope a lot of people, it resonates with a lot of people. I think it does. Um, so, yeah. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah. Sign up to our newsletter. And oh, yeah. <laughs> listen to our bonus <laughs> podcasts and all the other things like that, really. I'm, ex- I'm excited for the bonus podcast this week. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of nonsense, but it's also something we're both putting a lot of research into. So yeah. it should be a good laugh for subscribers. So you can take Absolutely. our free trial, see what you think, and stick around if you like it. We hope you will. Yeah, 100%. Well, this show, is, as always, is brought to you by Bet Online, And we'll be back uh, later this week with a bonus show, the preview, and, of course, uh, Stefan's and my articles on the Substack. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.